welcome to another episode of the 905er podcast with myself, Roland Tanner, and I am Joel McLeod. And uh, we're also welcoming back today for the second time this week, um, Shannon Gillies, who is uh, a former candidate in Burlington and uh, uh, has been involved in uh, a number of uh, issues in the city over the years and is always an insightful commentator on on social media and elsewhere. Uh, Welcome back, Shannon. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. And uh, our um, our thought, well, the episode today, we thought we would talk about uh, something that all three of us have done, which is to be candidates and to uh, be involved with other people who are political candidates. Um, and a, a bit about our, our experiences. Um, uh, all three of us were personally unsuccessful, <laughs> but doesn't, uh, um, I, I also think the fact, well, I, I don't know I mean, if, if either of you have uh, plans to, to run again, but um, uh, I, I also think we're, 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 uh, wise enough to have come through the experience and to have learned what we needed to learn and not necessarily be lining up to have to do it again. Um, so uh, certainly we, we were asked right back at the start of uh, the podcast, one of the suggestions we got from uh, uh, our listeners that we, we might do an episode like this and kind of talk about what it's like, uh, both to be that candidate, to be the person with the, with their face on the leaflet and um uh, and the backroom people who who uh, make campaigns work. Um, so, Shannon, we'll start we'll start off with you, just because you wrote a great article back in was it two thousand eighteen? I think I don't right. even remember. Probably. I think it was around the time of the election when I was running. I think. I think so. I think so. Uh, um, and you ran as a candidate in the same ward as I was running in, actually Ward Two in Burlington. Um, uh, what was that? Two thousand ten ish. Two thousand ten. Wow, 10 years ago. Yeah, it seems amazing. <laughs> yeah. We're all um, young back then. <laughs> um, and uh, you didn't have, uh, you, you were very frank about not enjoying the process uh, uh, one bit. And, and, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed some things. I enjoyed some of it. <laughs> okay, well, well, correct me. Uh, t- t- take us through a bit about what, what it was like and, and what your experience was. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, so earlier in 2010, I guess I had decided that I would run. I had always been following the issues generally. And and I don't know if you remember what it was like back then, but counselors were generally older and male. And, I, you know, I'd always, um, I'd always lived in Burlington and had lived in, in the downtown area for most of my adult life. And I just felt like my experiences were a little bit different. Um, just working downtown, living with other people my age, it, it just felt like we weren't really represented. So that that was kind of uh, the main reason I decided to run. So I signed up, not really knowing, I guess, what I was getting myself into. <laughs> um, I had talked to people before who had told me, oh, you know, if you just go out and meet everybody, if you go to every door, you have a really good chance of winning because it's really just about, you know, who people can relate to and, and, and like. And I thought I was a level-headed person who, um, you know, could think through a problem and just make decent decisions. And I sort of thought that that was what would make a good candidate. But I, I think I can do this. You know, I know the area and I know the issues, and I thought that would be enough. Um, once I got in there, I realized that that wasn't enough. <laughs> There were people who knew a lot more than me who were running. Um, And I realized how important specific issues were 
to our area and how passionate people were about those issues. Um, so it was a good, it was a, you know, it was a good learning experience. And in general, people are nice. I mean, most of it wasn't bad. But people have really high expectations of their candidates, as I'm sure you realize too. And then the questions got really tough and questionnaires were coming in every day. And it was a little overwhelming to know how to answer every question. And I think what was really challenging was that people expected you to have a firm stand on every single issue, which I still don't believe is really necessary because I, I think you need to explore issues as they come along. And I, I don't think candidates should have a firm stand on every single issue. I think they all need to be hashed out. I think you need to hear from all sides. And so I think that was one of the most frustrating things was that people really expected you to be black and white on so many different issues. And it, and it becomes part of the game you play. And this is my, my kind of big, theme at the moment is is how politicians kind of get forced they don't get forced because they don't have to do it uh, and if they work hard enough they can avoid it but you it's very difficult to avoid going down different roads if someone's asking you for a black and white answer then the easy route is to give them a black and white answer preferably the one that they're going to agree with yeah Yeah. um Anyhow, and it would be so easy to say different things on every doorstep on the street, uh, frankly, win them all over. <laughs> I, I didn't do that, I promise. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, phenomenon. Uh, were you like your own kind of campaign manager or did you yep. have a team? I was a one-woman show. I don't know if you've ever seen The Modern Family where, um, where Claire decides to run for city council, the mother. Oh, right. yeah. I really related to that because you sort of think all your friends are going to get behind you. And at first they're really excited you're running. And then when it really comes down to everyone coming out to helping you, a few of them start to drop off. I had some good helpers, but you really realize that you're the one that has to do all the work, which is. It, it, is, it really is like a passion project. I, I, I've discovered over the years, like it's not you. It is a question of if you really want it, you've really got to go. And, and get it it's and I, I i agree with your your assessment though shannon of you might find like one there's usually one or two issues that you're passionate about whether it's you know something that there's always something that that's like a catalyst to get you wanting to run you you say i see a problem there's a problem here either not enough representation or the the policies on a certain matter are i, I don't think they're very good we need to improve them whatever the case may be. There's usually one or two issues that get you motivated to want to jump in the fray. And then you realize your your issues that are passionate to you, yeah, they're passionate to a couple other people, but there's a whole lot of other issues that people are equally as passionate about. And it's really hard to say to them, no, your your issue isn't as important as the one, the reason why I'm running. Because you realize, no, it's pretty important to you. It's pretty like, um, it could be hospital funding. Just I'm, I'm spitballing here. I'm just pulling something out. They're, they're really passionate. They want better funding for hospitals, but you're more passionate about uh, sustainability. Now, can, how can you say that your your issue is more important than that person's issue? You can't. It's it's you know they're both equally bad. It's just that's not that's not the catalyst for why I why I jumped in the in the uh, in, in the uh, in the fray uh, so to speak. Um, 
Exactly. And that's the question, you know, you think, well, well why am I running? Am I running because of, of I want to push the issues I think are important? Or am I running to really represent the majority of people whose views might be different from my own, which I found that they actually were. A lot of people thought a lot differently than I did. And it makes you examine, do I want to do this? Do, you know, do I want to be the representative for a bunch of people who may not have the same views that I have? And it's that dichotomy of, of should a politician reflect the electorate or be a leader of the electorate? Uh, and I've heard both both points of view from, from people I very much respect. Um, and I guess the answer is kind of both. And uh, um, that you're elected, the people who elect you obviously uh, have their uh, priorities and, and they elect you expecting you to... to um, to pursue them mm-hmm. but at the same time you do have a responsibility to to not take the easy road every single time <laughs> um it, it's it's a very it's a tough it's tough it's a difficult one and i see how that arrogance of the people who've been elected and who've been in power for a time you know that that sort of disease of i know so much more than you you can't hope to tell me anything that I don't know a thousand times more than you do about you're kind of worthless <laughs> uh, to me. You see how that creeps in um, because they do know so much more, but you've always got to keep in mind that I don't care that they know less than I do. It's them. They're my boss, not the other way around. Uh, and uh, you know, it, it, their priorities are their priorities, regardless of whether I like their priorities. You know, um, and I guess that comes back to your point, Joel. Actually, it's it's a, it's a difficult one to explain. But if you can't run, I felt this very much in in the election that I ran in. It's like you, you can't run in the election you you like to run in. You have to run in the election you're in. That's it. Um, the last election was was about one very overwhelming issue which was downtown development as a point you can't you just you got to go with that and you've got to find if, if the electorate is saying overwhelmingly one thing then you have to find the road that allows you to to work um with that and to reflect that uh, objective um uh in a completely honest way i'm not just talking about you know throwing your principles out the window um it's understanding where things are going and, and making sure that you're reflecting that in a kind of responsible way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I find that the, in the middle of, you know, the, the fight of, I have my reasons, I have my passions and my, my, my reasons for running. And they're, they're the ones that I get up in the morning to, to fight for. But then you have the other uh, side of, well, I have people who have, um, other priorities and if they're equally as valid is in that middle ground is where you come into the equation as the candidate's personality. Um, Cause that's the one thing that nobody talks, everybody talks about, but nobody really talks about it. Everybody wants to talk about policy and, and you know, whatnot. I think a person's personality goes a long way in a campaign. Um, Cause I've seen people who are dumb as bricks get elected because they're really likable <laughs> And I've seen people who are smart as a whip, and I'm like, my God, this person knows everything about everything, get voted out because they're just so unlikable as a personality. 
Um, good candidates lose all the time, particularly in Ward 2, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, not a comment I, about pre- the current incumbent or the previous one at all whatsoever <laughs> staying well clear of that one um but um uh yeah but but it is i mean the first thing you have to accept when you go into it is is good candidates lose all the time <laughs> um and the reason that people win is just dumb and it's usually being in the right place at the right time more than anything else it's all about timing which is why i ran last time and like personally it was completely inconvenient uh but it's like well if i'm ever gonna run you gotta go when there's uh there's a there's a vacancy you know it's so much easier to get elected in municipal politics if um there's no incumbent sure. um, because you're, you're you know overcoming that name recognition thing is it's just uh absolutely huge but again that's the kind of thing that I guess Joel and I had probably learned from being involved in other elections. Oh yeah. That we had that kind of experience of like, I knew how to run a, a campaign and, you know, I didn't win, but I feel like I ran a pretty good campaign because I'd seen exactly how it was run. I knew what you had to do on election day. Uh, I knew what, you know, how to operate all that stuff. Um, uh, which I actually learned first of all from Joel, when Joel, you were a campaign manager for <laughs> yeah, was, for a candidate in Burlington, Carmel Sacran, uh, which is where I first met you. And, yeah. and what, what, what's your, what's your experience? I mean, a campaign manager, for those who don't know, in an election, uh, the, the candidate, the person you're electing comes very much down the totem pole after the campaign manager. They are the, the, uh, the boss. Um, and they, Whatever the the campaign manager says is what the candidate does or 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 faces the consequences. Yes. <laughs> How did you you find that, Joel? Um, I, I it's it's pretty apt. Like I I kind of discovered pretty pretty fast that because um, I was also working in a in a party uh, situation. I, like I, it wasn't just an, like we weren't just an independent organization. It was there's also. Uh, a, a provincial political party backing us. And so I had p- other people who, you know, I was accountable to, they were, they were asking like, how are things going? Do you need money? Do you need resources? Can we send volunteers? Can we, et cetera, et cetera. And I, you know, I'd have to be on top of my, you have to be on top of your game. Uh, and you have to know pretty much every aspect of the operation. You really are uh, the CEO, if you will, of a pretty much maybe a month long, ideally longer than that, maybe a two or three month long operation. And you have to know like how much, pretty much down every day, how much expenses are you expending every day? The, the, the sad thing is money is the lifeblood of any political operation. As much as we want to say, um, you know, policy matters, in the end, I, I regret to inform our listeners, it doesn't. It's money. Um, you can have the best- Oh, campaign. You just uh, bleed through so much money quickly. Like you're, 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 cause you're constantly sitting there going- I need to buy a billboard. I need to buy posters. I need to buy car- postcards. And then now I need to figure out the postage to send them out to people. Do I have volunteers? No. Okay. I've got to buy posters. Well, how much is that going to cost? Multiply that. Da, 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 da. And you realize how quickly you're, you're just running out of money. And it'd be nice as the campaign manager to just go and, you know, call up a few people. Hey, can you donate? I need a thousand dollars from you. Can you donate a thousand dollars? Can you donate a thousand dollars? Say no, but I want to talk to the candidate. Oh well, great. They're out knocking on doors. Okay, I got to go call them and say, "Hey, can you talk to this guy and just really like, suck up to them so that they can get it?" You know, it, it, it's 
it, it, it's it's an it's an ugly truth, and I, I've never seen any campaign, whether you're NDP, liberal, or conservative, that doesn't operate that way. I mean, you have you have you have your, you have your, your pool of people, but you, you ultimately you, you have to go and talk back to them. You know, go talk to them and say, "I need money from you." Um, and and it's often it's, hard to get the money if people don't see you on the winning side. You know, yes. as a campaign manager for a candidate running against Marianne Mead Ward. And you'd ask for money and everyone would think, well, Marianne Mead Ward's going to win, obviously. <laughs> right. You know, and it, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get money. But it's yeah. hard. Or, and and just, just, just generally, uh, political donations. It's like, well, if I'm going to give money to something, I'll give it to the local dog's home <laughs> yeah. a hundred times before I give it to you. Um, even if I am going to vote for you and I think you're basically the good guys, I'm still not enthusiastic enough that I want to part no, with I mean, I know I, I don't like giving money to political campaigns. I, I'd rather give it to a million other things. <laughs> it's, it's, so I, I actually give credit to people who do cough up a lot of money of their own money because, you know, they're really not getting anything for it. Well, you get tax credits, which is, yeah. but that tells us own story. You don't have the municipal ones. No, you don't. No, no. No. But like, it, it, like the, well, the municipal election, it is, you know, that that's where your real passion and personality comes into play. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I ran it for a school board trustee and that was asking people for money. Like you're going to like friends and family first. And then you might get a couple of people that you're like, uh, they're like, Oh, I really like what you have to say. Okay. I'll give you a couple bucks, you know, here and there. But I mean, you're talking to really, really organize a campaign and re like to really have the ability to kind of put into practice what you're imagining requires a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Um, and, and to the point where I, I'm, I'm honestly of the opinion, like I think it's becoming a problem. I know we've removed union and corporate donations from our political process. Um, the problem is the costs have not gone down. And I think like, it's, it's just the, the ways that the ways that political parties are forced to fundraise for money. It's, it, it's becoming detrimental, but money is just. It's it's a funny it's a it's a damned if you do damned if you don't situation because obviously the <laughs> so the big irony of of taking corporate money out of politics in some ways has been that it, it's a lot cheaper to bribe a politician <laughs> now I'm not I don't mean that seriously but money talks and uh, any politician in any country in the world will know their biggest donors uh, and when there's no corporate and uh, uh, money anymore then the the you know 500 bucks is your biggest donor now um uh, well, which is no, a very small amount of money that's incorrect roland um your biggest donor now is your third party donors and we saw that uh not only provincially but we also saw that in the recent uh municipal election here in burlington um is that third you know the the problem with doing that is that now that you know if any one of us is a multi-millionaire there's nothing stopping us from buying up every billboard in town and putting up, hey, I want you to vote for, you know, Shannon Gillies for War Two. I could put up every billboard that every, every time you drive through Burlington, no matter where you are, you see a bill, big billboard. And it just has to say, I, you know, paid for by Joel McLeod in a tiny little fine print in the corner. And it's legal. And I don't know why they did that. I, I have to wonder if that whole thing is going to mm. be scrapped. I, it, it, it should be. It should be. I, well, I don't know why they. Yeah, I brought, I brought up to a few people like, why don't we pass laws just banning it? Like, I I know in the in the UK, I've Roland, maybe you can att attest to this. I've I've only read it that like 
TV ads and billboard ads, print ads are banned in campaigns because you're going to, the idea is that the candidate gets enough press coverage, right? Like the press is going to cover your, your main party candidates and whatever they have to say. So if your candidate screws up, it gets on the news, all that. Uh, plus with social media, you're, you know, you can follow and tweet and Facebook and Instagram all you want on that. There's not really a need to go spend money on a 30 second ad spot that doesn't really communicate anything to you. You know, you're not, you're not going to be able to, to discuss the nuance of a immigration policy or, or taxation policy in a 30 second ad spot. It's just so oh, that my, my leader or my candidate is up on the screen for 30 seconds. I, my understanding is that guess sort of the, uh, it gets rid of the attack ads. Um, so the, 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 the rule is you can have billboards and printed stuff. So there are printed ads and, and during it's there are famous political billboards in Britain the same way there are famous political ads in Canada um, that um, like Margaret Thatcher had a very famous one which was um, designed by the Saatchi family who who are like big art donors now and it was like Britain's not working in a big lineup of people uh, on the dole which was very ironic because those lines were a lot bigger about two years later <laughs> um, but. Um, so yeah, uh, but there are there are no um, um, TV ads, which I have to say, um, <laughs> when you move to a country which has them, you're like, oh geez, these suck so bad. Um, plus, you're seeing them thousands of times, and it's just it's just the lowest of the low kind of political rhetoric, you know. Um, Municipally, I'd rather I'd rather see budgets overall reduced. You know, if they're twenty thousand dollars, I'd rather see them at ten thousand dollars. I just you know, like you said, Joel, with social media, you can do so much advertising that way. And I'd love to see lawn signs scrapped when they're an environmental disaster. That's a good, yeah, they are. Yeah, you want to see someone with the courage to say. The budget, you could really reduce the budget oh, a lot. Oh, as no. a campaign manager, that was the bane of my existence, buying lawn signs. And then afterwards, you're like, what do I do with them? Yeah. Like, you, you, they, they're environmental. They are environmentally bad. I don't. I, the worst, the worst city I've ever seen for lawn signs is London, Ontario. If you want to see a complete, that's my dog. Sorry. If you want to see, a complete, if you want a complete disaster in terms of a policy, go check out London, Ontario in any election, municipal, federal, provincial, doesn't matter. Just go drive by. They they allow lawn signs on anything, anything and anywhere, and it's just it looks. It's awful. It just looks so bad. And I, drove, I remember driving through the election. My brother lives in London. I went to visit him uh, in the last election. Uh, and I was just driving through and I was like, oh my God, this place looks like, it just looks tacky. Well, I think and, Oakville still allows that, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, Oak, Oakville's very similar. Yeah. I don't know if there's any, some places they don't allow them, but but no, you'll get those those central. Um, the boulevards. Uh, or, yeah, yeah. We're, we're like literally a thousand lawn signs for candidate x on them well maybe 500 yeah, like a lot though but there, uh, yeah. and, that, and you, you spend so much time your, your kind of volunteer time going putting oh my God, yes. signs up um, yeah, you know, like every camp, every campaign i've worked on there's always there's the sign chair there's always that one volunteer whose job it is all they do is put up signs i used to be that i, I did that for uh uh patty torsney's campaign my very first uh, election campaign and it was i mean it's fun you get out of the office and you're just hammering spikes in the in the ground and drilling holes and putting up signs all over the place but you know it's it's a their costly little venture and i'm i'm not convinced that they do any work i'm really not i don't 
I, I, if what, you, what they do do is 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 depress the hell out of the candidate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The one I think the one time I really kind of lost it, and if if Lisa Kerr is listening to this, she'll enjoy this. <laughs> uh, it was just like there was one Sunday, like about a month before it was over, or maybe even less than that. And I was like, "Oh my god!" And I, I had streets where I was doing really well, but the street that I actually live near, which is New Street, she just absolutely killed me on New Street. <laughs> I had to go past it every day. I was like, "Oh, this sucks! I'm just gonna get my ass handed to me." <laughs> and he did. So uh, that is a prophecy. <laughs> I got it respect respectably handed to me. <laughs> it was okay. So I, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna turn the tables now because this is, I, I, Shannon, why don't you tell us what was your what, what was the positive experience of running? What 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 did you learn about running that you didn't know before that you would say maybe positively influenced your life going forward? Um, it's a good question. You know, I, I learned how engaged most people actually are, uh, a majority, majority of people. I sort of thought I had paid more attention to city issues than a lot of my neighbors, but a lot of people were really quite in tune. And it was nice to see that. Um, I learned a lot of just about the city, about how it runs. I learned that we actually have a really competent city staff. At least that was the situation back then. I was actually impressed at how much work gets done behind the scenes. Um, and they were all very gracious in helping me as a candidate. I don't know if you felt that the same way, Roland, when yep, you ran. Absolutely, yeah. yeah no, absolutely. Um, and just overall. I, overall, I just had a, a good experience about the strength of our community. You know, there, there were definitely <laughs> nasty people from everywhere, but that's the case anywhere. But, uh, yeah, overall, I, I realized that we actually have a good fabric in our community and of a lot of people engaged in different ways. I, I, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. Having done both um, sort of uh, provincial, federal campaigns and the municipal one, the municipal one is complete. Taking party politics out of it just makes it completely different. And that you, you're having a conversation on every doorstep about policy. It has to be about policy because what it can't be about what color party you're is or what your leader's doing because they don't exist. Um, so it's complete. You know the. Now, at those other levels, the candidates will generally get into more interesting conversations than a volunteer like like I would do. However, you know, even if you're about to win the election, 60% of the doors don't want to talk to you. Um, uh, and that's just assuming the doors of people are actually going to turn out and vote, which is only 60%. So the vast majority of doors at any election, even the one where you're going to have a landslide and you win, you're not welcome before the door is even open because they don't like your party, um, which doesn't leave you much space for, for any kind of conversation. And in any case, at that level, it's all about IDing the vote. It's not about persuading. Uh, uh, and municipally was, was, I mean, I really, really enjoyed canvassing. And, and people who know I'm a, can be, uh, I'm not the most extrovert guy in the world, <laughs> um, find that surprising. But I, I loved knocking on doors and, and those conversations were just fantastic. And there were people invited me in for, for well, particularly on the hot days, you got invited in for a glass of water. Someone came and saved me when I was just about to expire. I mean, it was it was like the memories you you build up uh, and some really funny stories as well. Yeah. Um, uh, that <laughs> I don't know if it's just, well, there's nothing, 
apparently every candidate meets the naked person at some point and 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 the <laughs> naked person wasn't fully naked but was very but was playing a saxophone <laughs> oh god while 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 wearing wearing not very much i was like oh wow <laughs> uh, and and uh, oh well there was another story so, well i'll save that for another day um but yeah, that that was really refreshing, and yeah, how well informed people are because yes. the, the traditional thought is no one's yeah. interested in municipal politics, and yet here people are talking about really detailed stuff. You know, and they should um, be. Municipal politics is the one level where it, it really affects everyone's daily lives, and so you know, people should be engaged. I I've always kind of walked. The one thing we're working in politics for uh, for a long time, and then yeah, I, did, I ran for a little bit, is that. You, you kind of realize the theater of it a little bit. Um, and by, by what I mean by that is everybody assumes that we, that politicians hate each other with a visceral passion that, Oh my God, I, you know, you know, Shannon Gillies is useless and, and, and doesn't know yeah. her left from her right. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying that just using your name. As an example. <laughs> but, no, the, the, uh, but in, in reality, um, a good many of a good many people running and who are elected actually do like each other. Um, yes. And, and, and there's a great deal of the policy is one thing, but the personalities stay at the, you know, the, the personalities form friendships. Um, you, we may disagree about policy, but that's just it. It's just policy. It's not, you know, a life or death situation that the media tends to um, balloon up into into it. Now you can disagree with the policy. Say that's a bad choice. That's a bad decision. Fine. Do you think that that person making it is a horrible person? Not necessarily. I've, I've rarely met anybody in politics that would honestly say you're a very bad person. Most people I think are trying to make, do the best with the information that they have and they have their own set of beliefs and they, they want to do, they want, they all want to do best. We can disagree. And that's why we have elections. When we think you've done a bad job, we, we vote you out like somebody new. Hopefully it's better. Um, but it's one of those things that when you run and you work, it's you realize that the media, the 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 mainstream media, if I can use that term, perception of, oh, it's like everybody hates this party, this party hates that party, and oh, if that person's the leader, they must be the most horrible person. No, I mean I I know I give Doug Ford a hard time on this podcast. I don't think he's an in in his personality he's a bad guy i really don't i don't think he's i don't think he's a guy that i'd be like oh my gosh this man is dangerous i think he's made bad decisions i don't think he has i think he's the right the the right motivation to help people but he's just i think he's in over his head truth be told and when you have a when you have a province this size and uh, the an economy of this size Sometimes you just have to accept I'm in over my head and walk away. And that's, and that's the frustrating part is Doug, it's okay to ask for help. You're not, you're not any less of a man for doing so. And when he doesn't, then that's where we have a right to, to disagree and say, I think you need better advice. Yeah. Joel, I think you made a good point just about the civility in politics. And I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that candidates, at least in Burlington, how much they, um, had met each other, called each other, gone for coffee. And it was a very civil process of oh, the time I ran and also the time I helped some other candidates running. And, you know, where the, is it incivility or uncivility? <laughs> <laughs> the lack of civilness happens, civility happens, is that, uh, you know, on social media. 
And when I was running in 2010, that was really, I think, kind of the first um, municipal election where Facebook and Twitter were were a factor. And that's where I got very sensitive right (laughs) personal attack and now i realize that if you're going to run you have to be ready for that but that's where the personal attacks happen it's kind of behind closed doors when people can't see who's throwing out the criticism and it's become far more um prevalent you know in in, in elections that ensued and it's a real problem because i think it discourages good people from running and i think it's going to continue to do that you're absolutely right and i think it the sad thing is those people who like to be the trolls online, who like to throw the personal insults at you as a candidate, you, I feel bad for them because, like I said, you're not, you are not educated enough to say to somebody, I disagree with your policy. Like, you know, there, there are times when, you know, you as candidate, Shannon, I'd say, well, you know, I, I don't think that's the right idea. I don't think that, given the information that we all have, I think you're making the wrong decision to go forward. Am I going to sit there and say, Shannon, you're 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 horrible and you're worthless and you know you're the scum of the earth? No, because I I can I see that you're you're making the best decision based on the information that you have. I'm making my best decision on what I have, and you know what? Chances are it's probably somewhere in between. We're yeah, probably. But you always keep it about the issues, you know. Oh, the, the, Except I, Donald Trump, he's the one person I'll attack on a personal level. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's. It's the most important thing. I mean, I was just thinking that the, uh, the election night I took part in. It's interesting that the, 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 the two, uh, there was one candidate in particular, maybe two, who who uh, got a little bit into kind of personal attacks, and they were the least experienced people. Uh-huh. With the, also with the least, well, one in particular with the least chance of winning. And it's almost like they felt, well, this is what politics is supposed to be like, isn't it? We, we, we throw mud at each other and we call each other crooks. It's like, no, you don't have to do that. No. <laughs> it's no obligation to go I, down that road. I, I, there's a uh, story I share from my, the very, very, very first campaign I ever volunteered on. It was with Patty Torzini. She was running for re-election here in Burlington. And um, Rick Goldrig, who later became mayor, but at the time he was running for as the Green Party candidate, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, this guy's got like no hope of winning, and he's just some kind of flake, you know, kook candidate running for the Green Party. Um, and it was interesting because you could see Rick A had a, had a, an opinion, and they were well informed opinions. And as well as things like I, I, I didn't necessarily agree with the opinions, but I, I liked him as a as a human being. Like I tell, like he's very educated, and he's a, he's a genuinely nice guy, and he's coming, he's approaching the job from a, an opinion of I want to help my community and my country as a whole. And I was like, there's something admirable about that. Didn't necessarily agree with all those policies. Some I did, some I didn't. But it was one, it was kind of an eye opener for me of like this. It's a theater, you know. It's it's a theater that unfortunately most of us get sucked into. And to talk to, you know, to want to talk to somebody and say, how, where, where is it that I can, I can, uh, you know, where, where's our common humanity? Where's the, where's the part that I can reach out and say, okay, I can get that. I can get behind that. Like I always say that, you know, George W. Bush, um, I see why people like them. I kind of like him. He's a, he's a nice guy. He's a guy that I would honestly have in my backyard for a barbecue and talk baseball with. I wouldn't want him leading me into a global war, but you know, I, I, I got, I, it's one of those things like, I get why people like them. I really do. Um, and, and, I, and I, I got why he was reelected. I, you know, I, I there's a, there's a likability to him and there is that, that bit of likability. There's a likability to people like, um, you know, Doug Ford and, and, 
and uh and and the like and that's you know that's a, that's kind of where if you kind of take away that theater and just sit down and just figure out what the likability you know i mean politics nice if, you, if, if if politicians could all agree to to get away from the um particularly at the federal municipal federal and provincial level from from the the kind of gang warfare aspect of it mm-hmm. where where you know you know this is why 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 in many places you will find the liberals and the ndps dislike each other much more than they respectively dislike the conservatives because they both recognize that the other party is working their way to where they want to be and it's like this is crazy <laughs> you know it's two parties which have very similar objectives, very similar similar um, uh, uh, routes to whatever they see as their promised land. Who have volunteers spitting bile each other on on uh, on social media? It's like such a waste of energy um, and, and such a pointless. And 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 for those people who are not interested in politics, it just turns them off. I was so much. It, it makes people yeah. turn out, which is a really you know, a dangerous and unfortunate consequence of what's happening. Right. Like, I just wonder where it's going to go. Is it going to get any better? Or is it just going to get worse at, at all levels, each election? You know, I just think, what's the next federal election going to be like? Is it going to be all personal attacks? I, because that just makes people tune out altogether. I mean, the last federal election was a real low point. Um, oh, in it, my I, experience. I, I remember. I, I don't think it's going to be much better. It, it, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a election about nothing. It was just all personal and dirty and just like, I didn't really help out with it because I was just like, I'm, I was going to, and then I was like, no, I just, I, I don't want this one. I don't want to, I just feel dirty after volunteering on it, you know, it's, which says something about how bad it was. Cause I actually like volunteering on elections, <laughs> um, yeah. but I, I'm going to switch gears again. And I throw one last question up before we say goodbye. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who's listening to this podcast now, who's thinking about running federally or provincially or even municipally down the road? Cause in my opinion, if you are thinking about doing that, now's the time right now to start your planning. Um, which is kind of why we did this episode now. Um, <laughs> so Sh- Shannon, I'll throw it over to you first for uh, your, uh, your advice. I, mean, I, I would know too running as a, as a federal or, or provincial candidate, but just at the municipal level, I would say a lot of people think that you need to learn, you know, start reading and learning now. I think that did not help me. <laughs> a lot of people think that, you know, they need to know everything about everything. And, and that was my instinct was to learn everything about the city, learn every, learn the official plan inside out. And it really wasn't about that. It was really about what finding out about, finding out what people are concerned about really. And I would, I would advise anybody probably at any level, whatever they want to run for is to really go out and talk to people first, you know, make it come from those people rather than yourself. And I would say even it's probably the wrong reason to run because of um, the issues you're concerned about yourself. It really should be about what's going on in the community and, and, and develop your campaign from that. Yeah, you've got to be passionate. You've got to have that passion, um, and you've got to actually get back to the question. The question Joel asked was, "What is the advice?" And my advice would be to to go volunteer on someone else's campaign yeah. um, because that certainly helped me. And again, I didn't win. Uh, however, I do think um, 
I think I did as well as I did because of the experience I had. And, and the other thing was that I knew that the only way you're ever going to win is by knocking on as many doors as possible. And, and I think, again, I think if I'd taken a less aggressive road on knocking on doors, I would have done a lot worse. <laughs> um uh, that it's that personal connection that if if you can be on someone's doorstep and be a reasonably likable kind of kind of person, um, they'll maybe remember you when they get into that box because you know it, it's people meet politicians so seldom, um, uh, and it's the only way that you're ever going to make a make an, a significant impact. I mean, we all spend thousands of dollars on on, on leaflets and lawn signs, but it's like well. Who the hell is Roland Tanner? Um, he, he's got the most colourful signs, but that doesn't mean I'm going to vote for him. What does that mean? <laughs> well, people remember um, the people who come to their doors. Yeah. Um, so it's like get a strong pair of shoes and and yeah. go see how someone else does it. I think that's probably the most practical advice. I, I was going to say watch every episode you can of The West Wing on yes. Netflix <laughs> and then do the exact opposite. Um <laughs> Because the the notion, I think too many people have it in their heads of, of I'm going to stand at the podium, I'm going to stand at the microphone, I'm going to give this barn burner of a speech and people will flock to me and they'll bring up my cause and I'll be a leader of men. And it doesn't work that way. Um, everything that both you, Roland, and you, Shannon, have, have just said is bang on. Uh, any successful politician I've ever met in any party, uh, they won because they knocked on doors. Um, and more importantly, they remember names. The number of times a politician won, uh, wasn't necessarily because they knew all the answers. They knew all the, um, the intricacies of the bureaucracy. They knew somebody's name. They walked up and they saw somebody, some obscure person that they hadn't met once or twice. They said, Hey Joe, how's the family? How's, how's the business doing? And that will go so much further, uh, than any speech or any, but why he was such a successful was he remember people he remembered yeah. their stories you you remember that person's story and you remember who they are and they will go on and they will be your greatest accolade they will go on and they will go tell their their friends their family and they will tell them that you need to vote for person x because they know me they i'm i'm their buddy and that's a, every every successful politician at the, any level i've ever met has done that exceptionally well and that's their that's their secret to success is that they've made gone out and they made enough personal connections with people, um, that they would do that. The second thing I would I would recommend, and this is more just a personal preference, um, actually have a job. Like don't don't go into politics thinking that this is going to be, uh, it, like do do a have a job. Like do something, because uh, the number of young people that go into politics because they got, they knew, they knew somebody or know somebody that, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't really like those. Well, that's a really good point. Well, and uh, you see it all the time. Some really nice, well-meaning people, but they are, I feel that, uh, it's like, why do you want to be a politician when you're, when you're 25? <laughs> you know? No, no, no. Karina Gould, who's currently the MP of in Burlington, was under thirty when she was elected. So there are exceptions to every rule. But she I'm had a saying job. that you could, she she did something with her life that she had some expertise on. And yeah. I'm thinking there are people at different levels of government. I'm not going to name names, but when you look at their resume, you realize no, you graduated from your university and then you 
went volunteered on a one or two campaigns and you sucked up to the right person in your riding and they put you in the nomination, uh, the nomination slot for that party's riding. And then you've been there since you were the age of 25. Um, that's not a career like that. You don't know anything outside of what it's like to yell at people across an aisle, which I think goes back to our previous, our, our previous conversation about the civility of politics, the people who've actually been out in the real world, who've done jobs, who've built careers, who not, and not like, I'm not talking like the lawyers and the doctors. I'm talking like your social workers, your, your people who have formed community groups on the ground to help the less fortunate, any, any kind of career that you've done work, you've built something and you've gone out and you interacted with people that you don't necessarily all agree with. Those people are successful. Those people are, have so much more knowledge and people knowledge that they bring to the table that you're like, that's what I want I'm in my leader in my, at the municipal provincial or federal level. That's what I want. I want that person who know, who says my experience on the ground says this policy doesn't work. Yeah, I would say, I mean, it does, I mean, actually, so the, the candidate you helped out, Shannon, was uh, Kimberly Calderbank, who uh, uh, was also in the same uh, ward as I was. Um, she's a good example of the opposite. Someone's young who has a business very well, uh, uh, has done all sorts of other things. So it's not the age per se. It's that kind of... Um, deciding almost before you want to go to university that you want to be a politician, you've already bought your suit and you've got your picture taken and it's on your Twitter account. It's like, dude, get a life. Uh, you got to be able to bring some other stuff to this. Um, it doesn't necessarily take decades to, to build that up. I mean, for me, because I'm a slow developer, at 48, I finally felt like, so, okay, I think I know enough that I can do this and and, and, and not make a fool of myself. Um, but if if... If you if you just want to get into politics because you want to get into politics, you've got a problem. It doesn't. You are the last person who should be running. You know. I agree. I think a, a good a good candidate should almost be someone who has such a good job and is you know doing so well at what they're doing that you almost ask why would you want to give that up? You know, to, yeah. to be a politician yeah. because that tells me that they really care and, and are probably doing it for the right reasons and have thought about it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a really good point. And we're not, we're you know at the end of the we need to wrap this up because we've really gone on, um, but. At the end of the last election, it's like, well, I hope in four years I'm not in a position where I'm just doing it again because it's, well, it's fairly close and you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, I want to be doing it because it feels like the right thing to do. And the best outcome of that whole thing is that getting to, as a result of being a candidate, I now understand a lot more about the actual job of what happens after election day if you win. And that is a whole other kettle of fish. Um, and um, you really, all those people out there who who think I just want to get into politics because I want to be in politics, you really need to question whether you want to be involved in. Uh, it's a tough job. You actually um, want to do that job for four years. It is a hard job. And, and I, every candidate needs to ask themselves that if they're really ready to take on that role. It, and it's, it's, it's thankless and it forces, I think, if I had, I mean, I've numerous times I've thought, what would I have done if I had won? And I think some of the decisions would have been very different to what I think are the right decisions now having not won. Um, and that's a really interesting kind of experience. It's like, I think I would have done X too, um, because I think I would have felt completely forced to. Um, uh, and it would have, you know, I would have justified it in my own mind. It's like, yeah, oh, clearly we have to do this. Or I certainly know I would have made some decisions in the first few weeks and months that would have been 
dreadful. <laughs> um, uh, you know. Anyway, we've gone on long enough. Um, thank you so much, Shannon, for for joining us oh, this yeah, week. Yeah. It's really a good experience. I um, hope you'll join us again at some point in the future. Um, and uh, uh, Joel, are any final thoughts uh, you want to throw into the mix? No, uh, I think we've covered it all, and it's. I'm hoping that right now there's somebody out there listening who is thinking about running, whether whatever political party it is that you want to run for, um, you know, just think it over and make, make the right decision based on why it is that you want to run and, uh, do the work, do the work and reach out to people, get, hear what they want to hear, what they want to see better in their communities. Um, get involved in politics because you get involved, be a volunteer for a good long time and work your ass off for a good long time before you think about being a damn candidate. Yeah. And realize uh, it's not just about you. It's, it's about a yeah. lot more than just you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thanks again, everybody. Uh, and we'll be back next week with more from the 905er. Bye for now. Bye. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.